it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Will Hurd, one of our favorite old-time guests, will now be the latest GOP presidential candidate. He'll be in studio. Always a thrill to see the former congressman, CIA guy, uh, remarkably qualified to be president. He also said something interesting. He says, I'm not going to endorse President Trump regardless if he gets the nomination or, or not. Geraldo Rivera standing by. And we're also following a lot of uh, breaking news. And believe me, it's one of these times, you know, I try to knock it down to three big stories. They could have been six. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself. Warnings went unheeded to take place at the same exact site. I think it's just astonishing. It's really quite surreal. Yeah, uh, James Cameron, uh, the legendary producer of Titanic, talks about the contacts he had revealing... They knew exactly what happened early. Another tragedy in and around the Titanic as the long search for the fate of the sub reveals an almost instant death and implosion. Was this the whole expedition, an accident waiting to happen? Yes. Number two. And I want to let everybody know that this morning um, I filed to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. Welcome, Will Hurd, into the GOP jungle for the right to take on Joe Biden in 2024 as Governor DeSantis takes on Trump and a stunning poll shows a third-party candidate would deliver the presidency to the Republican nominee and no labels is ready to do it. Number one. This text message of Hunter Biden saying that he was sitting with his father trying to get money from a Chinese communist official and that there would be <laughs> severe consequences for those officials if not. These are all shocking revelations. Stunning. Senator Tom Cotton won't go away. I promise you the explosive whistleblower allegations unmasking the injustice in the minor charges against Hunter Biden on the investigation of guns, taxes and international business dealings. uh, That was stunning Uh, to see these press conferences yesterday led by Jason Smith and to see the whistleblower come forward and to see the WhatsApp text messages that just uh, blow up all those people who say the president had nothing to do with his son's overseas business dealings. Unless, of course, you're one of the minority who think the president was not sitting next to his son, not part of these business deals, wasn't the big guy, like the whistleblower says. And before we get to Geraldo Rivera in just a moment, I just want to read this. Hunter Biden wrote to this guy, Zhao, his contact with CF, uh, CEFC, the energy company uh, linked to the Chinese government, in a deal that he did with the Chinese government, which is part of their Belt and Road program, which is an anti-American influence program. Think about that. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now. I am sitting here with my father, and we'd like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Meanwhile, it's money. Before it gets out of hand, it now means tonight. And the 53-year-old went on to say, and if Z, meaning Zan, which is his contact, if I ever get a call or text from anyone involved other than you, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. 
I mean, to me, it's on the WhatsApp. It's verified. Whistleblower, lawyer, now talking on Fox News. Raldo Rivera, also a lawyer, joins us. Hey, Raldo. Hello, Brian. How are you this morning? Good. So, I mean, even the New York Times and Washington Post, excuse me, I didn't see the Times. The Washington Post wrote this up today. What changes with these revelations? Well, nothing changes until you can corroborate uh, the the link that you suggest uh, between uh, President Biden or Vice President Biden and his son's business dealings. It just seems to me, Brian, that uh, despite the very dramatic uh, presentation we just heard, uh, that nothing has really changed. They've had this information for a couple of years. They've had these documents for a couple of years. They've had these whistleblowers for I, I, at least a year, and, and nothing other than these very minor charges against but, Hunter Biden have been filed. So, so I, I come back to where I always was on this story, but, put up or shut But, Geraldo, yeah, i got to go back with you. If we want to find out if this guy was undercharged, you look at the $17.6 million that the whistleblower came forward, two whistleblowers, that, that was out and about. You come out with the fact that they have proof that Weiss tried to bring this thing to D.C. and was told no by Merrick Garland's Justice Department. And then five months later was told uh, Weiss said, I'd like to bring it. And he's the uh, district attorney appointed by Donald Trump. And then he says, I want to bring it to Los Angeles. They said no. So Merrick Garland saying I had nothing to do with this is a flat out lie again from this guy. So this guy sitting on camera talking to Catherine Herridge, who we both know and respect on CBS his lawyer was just on with Bill Hammer. So at the very least, I'll present the case that you and I would have got put in jail for. This guy doesn't owe $100,000. He owes millions of dollars. Do you know he didn't even file taxes for four years? Geraldo, if Brian Kilmeade and Geraldo Rivera just decided not to file taxes for four years, what, what would you think would happen? God forbid, although you do hear on the radio the advertisements from all those companies that say, <laughs> uh, don't worry if you haven't filed your taxes, come to me and uh... – you know, for a percentage, I'll uh, I'll get you out of uh, hot water. I, I come back to the uh, to the U.S. attorney in Delaware that you mentioned. He had complete authority. The Trump appointee had complete authority to pursue these cases within uh, his his jurisdiction. He was given the nod by Maine Justice, but he wasn't, and not, nothing. But nothing he wasn't. really happened. So you believe well, the, I, I mean, if you don't believe the whistleblower, you're right. But I guess you you choose not to believe the whistleblower. I choose not to believe the whistleblower because where is the corroboration? Where with these these are not you can't restate the same old same old with a more dramatic presentation and expect a different conclusion. So Gary Shapley said this, who was the supervisor of the investigation at the IRS. At every stage of the probe, decisions were made that had the effect of benefiting the subject. He cited several examples, one of which I gave you. He also went on to say that the FBI verified the laptop in November of 2019, a full year before uh, before it became public. And then, of course, sidelined by all the social media companies and all the all the major broadcast companies well, and 51 people. Story. But it's a that's ball a part of this. And a, and but if you're investigating, story. but aren't don't you find it true, Geraldo? And you are an investigator, so I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. If you're investigating Hunter Biden. You cannot leave off the international business dealings to find out how much taxes he owes, right? Well, I, all of that is true, except that they had the laptop in 2019. Why wasn't the laptop pursued? Who was president of the United States in 2019? Uh, I think that we have to look at it and say, 
okay, at what point do we say, as I have been saying, put up or shut up? At what point do you say, oh, this sounds great. This sounds glaringly uh, offensive. This sounds like a major crime. And then they don't bring, uh, you know, the charges. The you, charges. You know, Geraldo, that a is a great point I never over. thought about. I never thought about this. Did Trump know about this laptop? Did he know about well, the contents of this laptop? That's a great that is question. a great question. I'd love to add. I've to never ask thought him. about that. I, I yeah. it, so if he is over in the Ukraine sending Rudy Giuliani to find out about some corrupt deals that Biden's are doing and it end up in his impeachment and you thought that was a mistake, I get it. I now I, I don't know the answer to that question. And if if they said to him, Mr. President, I need to see you, Hunter Biden's laptop has been found and it shows a series of very dicey deals with seven major nations that it looks like the 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 former vice president and your your likely counterpart was take was benefiting from i can't imagine that leaking out great characterization and what about just the dirty pictures you should see mr president you should see exactly this this guy this kid's smoking kid this man is smoking crack uh he's uh putting penis shots uh dick pics on uh on his uh, on his laptop, he's uh, he's a pervert. He's this, you know I could see you know. But you know what happened though. Did, but we would find out about it. Him. We would find out about it. Rudy Giuliani would get a call from Johnny Mac Isaac, not from the FBI, to say I got this thing. I gave it to the FBI, and they're not doing anything with it. I think you should pick it up. And they got it, and the New York Post got it. So in those eight months, the FBI never. Info- I'm gonna. I could. I should call out to the Trump camp in the break. Did the FBI ever tell you? Did the FBI ever tell you about this laptop? That's a great. That's a that's a great point. It, who who knew? You who found, knew? you we made the, the point, Geraldo. U.S. Attorney knew. So who right. else knew? Yeah, I mean, so this laptop gets dropped off to the FBI. Does Christopher Ray not say, "I need to see you, Mr. President"? We got some things that are very disturbing about the former administration. You know, but, what, or, but, but Trump reads the New York Post. It was all over the New not York. Not into Post. the fall. Not into the fall. True. True. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is Will Hurd getting into the race. We're at 12 now. Trump up by 20, 25, lost about 10 in the CNN poll since the second in uh, indictment. Your thoughts about the GOP side? Well, you know, I I like uh, Chris Christie is a friend of mine, and I think he'd be an excellent president. I think Ron DeSantis is a very formidable candidate. And although we differ on uh, on key issues like uh, like like life and choice, I think that he's uh, he'd be a great uh, a, a, a terrific uh, candidate for president. I like Gavin Newsom on the Democratic side. Uh, uh, Will Hurd is a very fine, hardworking guy. He's distinguished himself, and uh, you think that he's got a very long road to hoe. I don't know how much money he has in terms of getting uh, to be con- conscious. Uh, you know, uh, in the consciousness of the American people. Uh, I wish him luck. I wish him luck. He's a good guy. Is it Trump's to lose? I think it's Trump's to lose. No doubt about it. He's a very formidable candidate. He's uh, uh, he he, he is the the former president. He's got the loyalty of his followers. It's quite remarkable. Uh, You know, they stick with him no matter what. And I I I just think that I Sadly, I think it would be Trump-Biden. I, I, I do, I, although uh, the Democrats would be far better off using, uh, you know, getting a, a younger man like Gavin Newsom. Or the governor of Kentucky. They're, they have some talent. I mean, I would like to see more of a moderate a guy that's not going to be influenced by uh, 
by the left wing of the, the party. I'd love to see somebody in the middle. Did, did and, you see? Did you see Gavin Newsom with uh, Sean Hannity? He is he's extremely pretty, right. He's uh, pretty formidable. He's pretty good. He was pretty darn good. But do you know that? Do you know that uh, four in ten Californians are contemplating or in the process of leaving the state? Like yeah. the the thing that's going against Gavin Newsom is the facts of his governing, but it, him as a presence and a charismatic figure is strong. It's what is going on in Los Angeles, San Francisco. What's going on with with taxes and his. Uh, I could see Newsom taking care of that, uh, or, or you know, making the the public gestures, announcing next week uh, governor's personal task force to clean up uh, downtown L.A. Uh, uh, to, to eliminate uh, homeless camps. Uh, you know, it'll take him two days of press to reverse people's impression of him as a passive. Uh, Governor, when it comes to those graphic social issues, and him as a as an activist, uh, you're going to make things right. He's 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 smooth. He's smart. Uh, smooth and, and I, smart, I, but he's just not good. He's not a good governor. Well, I, like, Look at Chris uh, Christie. That's a governor in a democratic I, state. Even if you don't like him, you have to respect the leadership and vision. I do. I respect with the Democrats. He's, yeah. he's he's pro life. I'm not, and I still would uh, vote for Christie. I I think that he's a, you know, he's a. He was a terrific until he got in the whole Bridgegate thing. Uh, he was untouchable. He was he was tough. I would say it's like before Rudy Giuliani went nuts. Uh, you know, these were wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, people who were chief executives of yeah. uh, major entities that could easily have run the country. All about performance. Uh, then, uh, yeah. You know, I like. Uh, are you going to ask about whether I'm a candidate now that I, I'm off the five and I Are, have uh, the time? Gerardo, will you run for office? You thought about being governor of New Jersey. <laughs> will you run for president? Yeah, I, I wanted to be senator from New Jersey, never governor. Uh, first, I wanted to be mayor of New York. That was uh, when Bloomberg ran, and he said that I'll match your $5 million with uh, $500 million. And I said, well, I can't do that. Uh, so I dropped out of the mayor's race. And uh, when uh, Loudenberg, uh, uh, Senator Loudenberg died, I said, uh, you know, I, I live in New Jersey now. Uh, why don't I run for Senate? And then when I got to Ohio, uh, Erica and I contemplated it uh, once again. But uh, again, uh, I, I was up against, uh, you know, you know, people with uh, with uh, expendable fortunes, and uh, I, I, as well as as well as I've done over the years, I'm not in that category. Uh, so politics, uh, elected politics, at least, uh, not an option uh, now that. Uh, the, the five and I are parting company. I, I am curious as to see where I go from here. But where you, you're still staying with the network, be. right? I'm staying with the network uh, okay. for the time being, as long as they. Uh, I got another year and a half on the uh, on the contract. We'll okay. See, we'll see. What, I, you know, I will announce next Friday live on the five what my next move will be. Do you know it? You just not telling me. I well, I, I I would tell you, but then what would the suspense be for okay. next Friday? All right, I just don't know if you didn't make up your mind yet. <laughs> I oh, uh, that's that's an excellent that's an excellent question. I'm uh, I'm open to I'm open to offers, but I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll see where my next move uh, takes me after consultation with my wife and family. That's good. And uh, Geraldo, I think we we found something. I'm going to call it to the Trump camp and find out if they knew about this. So we we have uh, we've already done some, or maybe you could do that. I, I maybe I could. I, I'm not that interested in it, but I would love to know if uh, Donald Trump knew. Okay. I mean, he right. he's he loves uh, that insider stuff. I'd like to know if he knew. 
All right, go get him. Geraldo Rivera, I can't wait till next Friday. Find out your next step, but as long as you stay with the network, I'm okay. All right, all right. Live, live, live. It'll be bigger than Al Capone's vault. Uh, it better be. Geraldo, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls, one 408 Then we go out to Will Hurd, who's going to be in studio. What went into his decision to run for president? Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship, and yet he steamed at full speed into an ice field on a moonless night, and many people died as a result. And for a very similar tragedy where warnings went unheeded, to take place at the same exact site with all the diving that's going on all around the world. Uh, I, I think it's just astonishing. It's really quite surreal. James Cameron, the legendary director, producer, talking about the Titanic and saying he's such great connections with the Navy. They, they, they had an implosion. He picked it up right away. And when they lost communications 45 minutes into the voyage to the Titanic, uh, that's really when the implosion took place. But they had to make sure of it. We don't we had to get to the bottom of the uh, the banging that was heard every 30 minutes, which is consistent with an SOS, I understand. But it looks like this vessel was not seaworthy. It looks like there was a problem with it. And the reason why I say that is because most people were not getting on it. What about the people that wanted a uh, wanted a refund because they didn't think it was worth it? Then you, I was talking to some experts over the last few days. They said, what I've known about it, looking at the background, I would never get into this. And I just question, I am not questioning that gene that certain people have to explore things. That's not what I'm saying. But to take unnecessary risks, you're not discovering the Titanic. You are viewing the Titanic. Like you go and view the Grand Canyon. You're not discovering the Grand Canyon. That's different. So to view it, wouldn't you just make sure, And as soon as you heard any problems with any vessel, you'd go, yeah, no thanks. I'm going to get the one that's been great with the, with the A-plus crew. And the top-notch, uh, and the top-notch craft, but instead five are dead. Brian Kilmeade show. Will Hurd next. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade show. Well, it's great news for us, selfishly, uh, that Will Hurd has decided that Congressman from Texas uh, to be run for president. Because you're one of the great friends of our show. You've been so loyal to it. I appreciate it. So when you made it official on CBS yesterday, was it yesterday? Or it, was. it was. It was yesterday, yesterday. You're running for president. I thought you were done with politics. When you said, I'm not going to run again, you're here you are in a border, uh, in a border state, in a border uh, district. Mm-hmm. And with the CIA background, I thought you just said, I'm kind of fed up with politics. What made you not only say, I'm not fed up, Congressman, but I want to be president? Well, I, the, 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 the answer, the, the short answer is um, my, my mother, may she rest in peace, would always say you're either part of the problem or part of the solution, right? And, and what I have seen over the last two years 
when it comes to how fast technology is moving, how our adversaries are in a position to beat us, and how DC actually got worse than than when I was in there. Um, th- those are things that are concerning to me uh, because uh, I've found in our in our dialogue we're not having the conversations on the things we should be having. And you know, my my wife and I made this decision. It wasn't it wasn't a, a light decision. But can we do something about it? Can we all articulate a a vision of where the country can go? Can we talk about how do we have unprecedented peace, a thriving economy, world class education for our kids? Um, and and we said yes, we can do that. You know, you, you have to start with a strategy. I know a, a dark horse candidate like me has a narrow path, and and I understand that. But there is a path, and um, we're going to we're going to pursue it. So you look at this, I think it's 12-person field That's now? right. 12-person field. Uh, Donald Trump's got about a 20-point lead, and Ron DeSantis is second in every poll in double figures. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is single digits. How do you close that gap? Sure. The, the way I mean, you... your resume looks as good as anybody's. Sure. I, I mean, nine that. years in CA, mm-hmm. right? How That's many a... years in the House? A six. Six years. What you've learned during that time, also, you really made a name for yourself. You're still in the prime of your life, and then you say to yourself, I'm going to go give back again. You've never have you been in the private sector? I, I have. I've, the last two years, I've been in the private sector, and and when I working on cyber technology, yeah, another and yeah, AI, AI, you know, quantum. You know, I was on the board of probably the most important AI company. So in having the world. said all that, how do you close the gap? <laughs> Look, the, the way you close your gap is 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 very simple. Um, campaigns are are not complicated; they're just hard. They require a level of effort. ID your voters, turn them out. Um, the a presidential election is not one election; it's fifty elections, and <clears throat> I, d- I don't subscribe to the theory that oh, Donald Trump's up in the polls, uh, Ron DeSantis is is number two, so we have to accept this, and this is what is going to be the election in January when the first votes start. Sorry, the the way that someone like me wins is 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 the old fashioned way. It's shoe leather. It's being in a place like New Hampshire taking a message to people that there's a reason only 23% of Americans vote in primaries because 77% of Americans are sick and tired of the options. They don't like what's out there. So you have to talk about those issues people care about. And here's what I learned representing a 50-50 district, 50% Republican, 50% Democrat, that people care about being able to put food on the table, roof over their head, and making sure the people they love are healthy, happy, and safe. Talk about those issues. Two-thirds of Americans think um, our education is going in the wrong direction. Right. Um, 65% of Americans are worried that robots are going to take our job. Um, most Americans are worried about what is going on with China, and are they really going to surpass the United States of America as a global superpower? How do you address those issues and show that it, it, it affects us here at home? And that's the message we're going to take. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's hard work, and we're willing to do that. And 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 the message is, is messages resonating. Uh, so you got Iowa, you have New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you going first? What's the strategy? Do you hit South Carolina, or sure. do you focus just on doing well in New Hampshire to have a South Carolina? Look, the strategy is simple. You got you got to start in New Hampshire. Um, New Hampshire, the, the Granite State. You uh, giving they, up on Iowa? They, they no, I haven't given up on anything. But but New Hampshire, if if we can't perform in New Hampshire, we're not going to be able to perform in other places. And uh, New Hampshire, they love a dark horse. They want to meet people. They you know they, they they do their homework. They take their role as uh, first in the nation very seriously. 
And and I'm built for that. You know, this is the stuff. So so I'll be in New Hampshire next week. I've been there a couple times already. And so so build the organization in New Hampshire and then scale that to other places. Have you talked to Governor Sununu? I have. Governor Sununu, I, I think he's been open and great uh, to everybody um, in the state. And and so, you know, he's he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to perform and, and win in, in a New Hampshire. And there's a lot of, of of things to learn from from his organization, his campaign. What do you need to get on the stage in August? Uh, 40,000 donors, right? 40,000 donors, 1 percent. Right. And so we're we're you know, when I look at all the donors I've ever had, you know, in the history of my political elections, um, that's a nice little place to start. And so we'll start. Could be a dollar. It could be a dollar. You know, it, it look. It could be. It could be a dollar. And and having the number of donors is is what matters. So so we're going to continue to grow and scale. Um, you know, this is about building an organization and a movement. And I'm excited. Um, you said that you would not sign a pledge mm-hmm. to support the nominee if it's Donald Trump. That's right. But that uh, that will prevent you from getting on stage. Right Look, now. and if that's the case, I, I've I've never I'm not in the business of lying to the American public in order to gain access to a microphone. I've never been that way, and I have taken uh, I've 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 taken one oath that's to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. When I pledge, I put my hand on my heart and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States, and I've taken one vow to my amazing, beautiful wife. And so, so I don't think parties should be in the process of trying to rig who's on the stage. But if that's their decision, that's their decision. I've made my decision, and we're going we're gonna to do what we need to do. But I do think just talking to you on and off microphone and camera, a lot of the stuff that Trump did you agree with. So th- there is many things. The border, he did everything he possibly sure. could. You saw how hard he worked to, to get that done. And he made some mistakes on the border, right? This, Which were the mistakes? Uh, well, the one was starting with with uh, treating everybody as an asylum seeker. Um, that started at the end of his of his administration and was something that was continued into the Biden administration. And, and Joe Biden made it significantly worse. Almost on right? purpose. On, 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 it, it, is, it is outrageous how bad the situation is and how Democrats – um, wanted to complain when when President Trump was in office and and every Democrat was in my district, you know, wagging their finger and being like, "This is all these problems." And then Joe Biden makes it worse. Do any of them show up and talk about the they problem? They wouldn't even show up when no. Congress asked them to go down there for a vote. Yeah, it's 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 wild. Are, are they talking about thousands of people on the streets in okay. El Paso so when this, the summer? So you so, saw, so, but it was a hustle mistake. In other sure. words, Trump was trying to shut sure. the border down. I don't think mm-hmm. Biden is trying mm-hmm. to shut it. He's yeah. disinterested. I think that you appreciate the fact that he uh, took out El Soleimani. Sure. Took out El Baghdadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, his uh, hard hit against the Wagner group when they were discovered storming our guys over in Syria. You love the fact that he wasn't trying to start a war everywhere mm-hmm. to the point where um, maybe we could have been more aggressive mm-hmm. uh, arming Ukraine. But where the rubber hits the road, was it the documents? Look, the, the, the documents right now, uh, to me, as someone who put my life in, in harm's way in order to collect intelligence for our country that has seen our brothers and sisters and spouses and, and kids um, serving and, 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 and being away from their families in order to collect intelligence, a complete disregard for protecting our secrets, that these secrets, had they got into the wrong hands, would have led to the loss of life. When you look at – and, and I, I'm always clear, I, do, I have not read the documents that was in his possession that are listed Almost nobody in, has, in, the, right? in, the, in the indictment. But you can see some of the classifications, 
And some of the classifications are classified, which means it comes from a program um, that is sensitive that not everybody has access to. We know that there's information from our satellite imagery in those documents. You know, our adversaries knowing how good our satellites are um, would have devastating effect on our ability to project power. And, 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 and look, you are innocent until proven guilty. But if even one of these things in here are, 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 are true, it's, it's incredibly damning and, and, it's, and it's offensive uh, to the men and women in the military who are putting themselves in harm's way. And my other problem with this, instead of talking about how j- bad Joe Biden is and how bad his policies are and doubling down on how seven out of ten Americans don't um, think he should be in office, we're getting consumed with having to talk about whether or not the indictments and all this. Oh, and you know who else loves this? Our freaking adversaries. They love the fact that we're fighting and, and, and we're talking about that doesn't, that, really that, that matter. doesn't matter. And, and they're pointing to everybody else. You know, when, 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 when the Chinese dictator goes to Latin America and says, hey, you see, you know, uh, America can't even get their act together. How are they going to be able to be a partner to you work with us? So our adversaries are eating up this kind of drama, and that's putting us in a, a bad situation, which is why uh, we know that because of all this baggage, right. if, if, if Donald Trump is our nominee, um, we are willingly giving four more years to Joe Biden, and I don't think America can handle that. I want to come back and talk about China when we get back, but Congressman Will uh, Hurd is going to be running for president. He made it official 24 hours ago. He's here talking about it, uh, and he's going to start working out to get on stage in August uh, and be a big factor over in New Hampshire. When we come back, just tap into your knowledge of China, what they're up to and what they what you think of Anthony Blinken's trip, as well as the president of the United States yesterday coming out and saying, well, he's a dictator and he was surprised by the balloon. Was that a bit of wordplay? Are we giving uh, President Xi an out? That seems to me to be the case. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I think I'm more concerned when it comes to the United States with the fact that not just one particular individual is being accused of of undermining existing laws, but that more broadly we've seen, whether it's through the gerrymandering of districts, whether it's attempts to uh, intimidate the press, a strand of anti-democratic sentiment that we've seen in, in the United States. It's something that is right now most prominent in the, in the Republican Party, but I don't think it's something that is unique to one party. I think th- there is a, a less tolerance for ideas that don't suit us. And it, it, sort of the habits of, of a free and open exchange of ideas and the idea that you know, we all agree to the rules of the game and even if the outcomes aren't always the ones we like, we still abide by those rules. I think that's weakened uh, since I left office, and uh, we're going to need to strengthen them again. I want to get Will Hurd's uh, comment on President Obama talking about what's changed since he left office. He was serving when President Obama yeah. was president. He wasn't really tolerant to open to other ideas. When's the last time we took a Republican idea on anything? Right. And, and his uh, attorney general is leading one of the organizations that are trying to do gerrymandering to make it easier for Democrats to win elections across the country. Yes. Right. So, look, I, I, well, he's I saying un gerrymandering. Yeah. Right. Look, I, except I, for New York. I am. I am. I, I have always been 
I always try to be intellectually honest. I've criticized my party when we do things that that I think are not within um, our ideals. But let's talk about this gerrymandering issue. It's about incumbent protection. The fact that you know people criticize Texas because the districts got redder. Well, they also got bluer, and that was because Democrats participated in that. Look at Illinois. Illinois drew lines to make sure that they can kick out Adam Kinzinger. Um, th- this, is, this is something that happens a lot. The, the fact that now Democrats in Arizona are trying to prevent this group no labels from having a, a third-party ballot access, and Democrats are the ones that are trying to throw that out you after they did all the things because they're afraid that Joe Biden's going to lose. And then Joe Biden's not going to debate anybody because he's the president. Now, I can criticize um, – Donald Trump for doing that when he was running for re-election as well, too. But the fact that this, the, the Democrats are doing that as well, and many of the people out of the Obama administration are participating in these things. Yes, we should make it easier for people to vote, plain and simple. We should have a competition of ideas. We should have more people um, standing up and, and debating issues and, and real issues. And that's what's good for all of us, and that's what's good for America. But I would add this on voting. It can't be a voting season. For example, you're voting in August now, in September. Well, the, we have two debates left. And then who knows? Remember George W. Bush had the DWI at the last minute last week. It actually flattened out and made Gore, you know, we had a, a delay a game. Trump was, excuse me, Bush was up by four or five points. The DWI comes out and he drops in those key states. And then we had to go another month. It wasn't just, so things happen along the way. For example, the laptop. If the laptop was looked at legitimately, it could have flipped the entire election. But not if you do vo- a voter harvesting right. and you vote do early voting in September. I'm all for senior citizens and others having access. We got that. Drive by, I got a huge problem with. Mm. If I'm sitting in the car and I'm 18 and my father tells me or my mother tells me to vote a certain way, I'm handing the ballots out front. Get out of the car. It's never been a problem in the past. How lazy are we getting? Right. And and they make provisions for help people that have difficulty, um, that are that are immobile to do this. Sure. It is 2023. We can confirm somebody's identity in a very quick, easy way. Like this should not this should not be hard, and we should have voter voter identification, um, and we should make it easier. And we should be able if if one county wants to vote until midnight, right. let them vote until midnight. And right? Congressman Heard, you know that it, the overwhelmingly people have no problem bringing a license to vote. No one thinks it's racist, mm-hmm. right. and it, it's some activists think right. it's racist. But I, w- I want to get your take. Uh, I want to get your take on China and what mm-hmm. is happening. Here is uh, President Biden talking about what a great trip Secretary of State Blinken had. Cut 24. I believe that, and I've said this for some time, that the hysteria about the relationship with China is collapsing and moving, et cetera, et cetera. We had an incident that uh, caused uh, some, uh, some confusion, you might say. But President, but the Secretary Blinken had a great trip to China. I expect to be meeting with President Xi sometime in the future, in the near term, and uh, I don't think it's had any real consequence. Your thoughts? Confusion. Uh, what? What was he talking about there? I hope he wasn't talking about the the spy balloons. And he was. And, 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 and to, to me, that confusion about Cuba. Look, it, it's 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 out. It's it's outrageous that um, you can't go and deal with someone who is trying to surpass you as the global superpower 
and and do it from a position of weakness. Um, what what Anthony Blinken should have done is he should have flown to all of our allies in Europe, right, and lined them up and talk about the things and how we're so going it was to hold. China, they got Europe. It, 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 look, it, so 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 the, the the thing that people need to look at when it comes to to China and what why we should be scared. I believe it was about a month ago when President Macron from France was in Beijing was interviewed by an American newspaper and said, hey, America, don't make France choose because he was implying you're not going to like the answer that they're going to choose China. And and that's a significant problem. And, and every American should care about this issue because if the Chinese government surpasses the United States of America as a global superpower, it's going to impact every single person. It's going to make our retirement not last as long. It's going to make the dollar not go as far. It's going to prevent our kids and our grandkids from having the best paying jobs. This is, this is going to impact every single one of us. And it requires us to deal with the Chinese government, a, a, a country that's four times our size. It requires us to have a bigger posse, and we need our friends, and we can't have weak leaders. I only have 20 seconds, but this is a formidable foe. It beats the Soviet Union, beats Germany in the 1940s, right? It's not. It, it's unprecedented, this kind of a challenge that we're dealing with in the United States. Congratulations, today. Congressman. I'm so glad you're in. you got to make you. everybody smarter and challenge every candidate, and I would not count you out by a long shot. Don't give up on Iowa. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. In a matter of moments, I'll speak to Carl Rove and Dr. Drew at the bottom of the hour. Did you see that disturbing story on the cover of the New York Post? that about almost 50% of American teens are depressed and feel they have very low self-esteem and self-worth, thought about taking their own life, mainly because of social media. How does that make any sense? Uh, Why are we not doing something about it? I think we're going to look at this as almost drunk driving, uh, where we're going to have such an awareness in seatbelts that people can understand it is how dangerous social media can be at a young age. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself. Warnings went unheeded to take place at the same exact site. I think it's just astonishing. It's really quite surreal. It is. That's James Cameron, the legendary producer, director of the Titanic. Another tragedy in and around that ship. A long search has yielded the fate, and it turns out all have lost their lives maybe 45 minutes into the voyage. Does it bother you that we didn't know that? Number two. And I want to let everybody know that this morning um, I filed to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. Yep, and Will Hurd, who was just in studio with us, a congressman from Texas, the CIA guy for nine years. Welcome, Will Hurd, to the GOP jungle for the right to take on Joe Biden in 2024. Governor DeSantis takes on Trump, and a stunning poll shows a third-party candidate would probably hand the Republican the race for president. 
Number one. This text message of Hunter Biden saying that he was sitting with his father trying to get money from a Chinese communist official and that there would be hmm. severe consequences for those officials if not. These are all shocking revelations. Senator Tom Cotton won't go away. I promise you the explosive whistleblower allegations unmasking the injustice in the minor charges against Hunter Biden and the possible links to the former vice president gone president. Guns, taxes, international business dealings with our enemies. It is sickening. Carl Rove joins us now, former deputy chief of staff, uh, Fox News for George W. Bush, Fox News contributor, Wall Street Journal columnist. Carl, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Uh, Carl, first off, on this whistleblower, think about this scenario. So we see about the minor charges to Hunter Biden. We say, oh, the guy had a drug problem. Uh, Get over it. Maybe he got special. uh, Maybe he got special treatment a little bit. But when this whistleblower comes forward and talks about how David Weiss twice tried to bring this to D.C., told no, and to Los Angeles, told no, the case, and that this this tax evasion is more like seven off 17.6 million, not 1.5 million. My head's spinning on this. Have you digested some of these allegations? Yeah, well, now, look, we need to be careful about this. But, yes, the, the, this is disturbing uh, because it looks like he's gotten favored treatment. Remember, he, 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 he willfully does not pay his taxes. Now, he can say I was a drug addict and, uh, you know, I was going through a rough time in my life. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The law doesn't say you have to pay your taxes unless you're a drug addict. It says you have to pay your taxes. And the question is, is we now know that there were meetings between Department of Justice officials and the IRS investigators and the IRS investigators, at least two of them, have said that they felt improper pressure from the Department of Justice, from political appointees in the DOJ, not just career people, but political appointees in the DOJ to get to go lightly on this and and to operate in a way that they didn't feel was in conformity with the longstanding procedures of the IRS. When you've got IRS agents saying, hey, we're being pressured to be uh, go soft on, on Hunter Biden by political appointees in the Department of Justice, something is potentially wrong. Now, we need to get these people out under oath uh, in front of the uh, in front of the Congress so they can be questioned and that people can make a judgment as to whether or not they think that this is something that ought to be taken to the next level, which is to bring in the people from the Department of Justice who were pressuring them, they say. So uh, this guy, the whistleblower is Gary uh, Shapley. Uh, He was the senior IRS investigator on this whole thing. So he's no fly by night guy that was just cutting his teeth or spend the summer as an intern. Here is the chairman of the House and Ways Means Committee yesterday on the text message exchange that if you'd believe Hunter had his dad directly implicated, cut for. What was brought to our attention by the IRS whistleblowers is that, in fact, there was a documented a message on Hunter, Hunter Biden's WhatsApp account that went to a, a Chinese business partner. And it was pretty much demanding for that business partner to contact him in regards to a future payment. And he highlighted that he is sitting right next to his father waiting for his response. And that absolutely contradicts what President Biden has said on numerous occasions, that he knows nothing about his son Hunter Biden's business dealings. So and it goes on. I mean, it's right there. It says, I'm sitting here waiting for the call from my father. Yeah. Uh, Hunter reiterated in a call. And he was threatening the CEFC executive who has direct links to the Chinese government. What I find really uh, disturbing 
is that this was about a deal in the Congo on lithium mines that would enhance the Belt and Road program that was created to upbound our influence in and around the world. Think about that. Out of all the investments, let's invest in China's yeah. Belt and Road program. Are you insane? Yeah. Well, now, let me cautionary note. We don't know that he was sitting next to his father. We true. Don't. We, 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 true. But but this is stinky. And not only that, but it's a pattern. Let's go back to the one that we know most about, Burisma, where he gets paid, where he, Hunter Biden, gets paid a bundle of money for no purpose other than lending his name. Remember the chronology. In January uh, of, uh, of, of that year, he his business partner, who is John Kerry's bag man, and John Kerry at that point is the Secretary of State, gets hired by Burisma, gets paid a lavish sum of money to go on the board. Three months later, he recommends his business partner, Hunter Biden. He goes on the board. N- neither one of these guys knows anything about energy, natural gas. There's they're no background in the industry. Neither one of them knows a thing about corporate governance. They've never been on a corporate board or been active in a company. And neither one of them knows anything about Ukraine. There's only one reason the two men were hired, and that is because that company was in trouble with the central authorities in Kiev. And in order to say, don't mess with us, they went out and hired somebody with a close personal connection to the sitting Secretary of State of the United States and the son of the sitting Vice President of the United States. I used to do work in Central Europe. I was on the board for international broadcasting that oversaw Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty. And one of the one of the things that the Soviet Empire saddled that region with was a was a culture of corruption in which if you were in trouble with the central authorities in Warsaw or Prague or Kiev, what you did is you went and hired Americans. So that you could say, don't mess with us because we got stroke in Washington. And what stronger evidence of we have influence in Washington than hiring the secretary of state's longtime associate and the son of the sitting vice president. And the, the sitting vice president knew about it because it became public and, and proceeded as the lead man for the Obama right. administration on corruption issues to go to, to go to Kiev, to Ukraine, to lecture them on, on fighting corruption harder. And they're sitting there looking at him and saying, wait a minute, don't you get the irony that your son is part and parcel of this culture of corruption? And, I mean, you know, this is, this is a problematic. This guy, Hunter Biden, has been trading on his father's name in inappropriate ways. And we need to get to the bottom of how much did the vice president, now president, know and when did he know it? So the other thing that I kind of bury the lead here, the FBI authenticated the laptop in October of 2019, according to this IRS whistleblower and another unnamed one. They knew about it. They looked at it. They saw it all there. They looked at the uh, the IP. They looked at his Apple name and it all matched up. So think about this, Carl. The the laptop, which didn't become known, we don't think, until Rudy Giuliani had it dropped off by the computer repair shop guy. And then that becomes public. They had it. He kept quiet and then said, I'm getting a little impatient. I think this is it's jeopardizing the country's security, so I'm going to give it to Rudy Giuliani. And then when it comes out and it's about to come forward, they get 51 so-called intelligence experts to say this is classic Russian disinformation. Everybody, the FBI that touched it, knew it was real. They allowed this story to be buried, and then they allowed it to decept, to, to be deceived while having FBI guys past and present on social media pulling down social media accounts of it. Think about that for a second. Yeah, and look, uh, I want to say that a lot of those people on that list of intelligence officials served our country admirably and honorably. 
but they should have been careful about lending their name to something that was so political and that they knew nothing about. And then now you see some of them out there saying, well, you know what, I, you know, I really didn't know, and you know, I really wasn't saying that, and I was really blah. No, no, they lent their names to a fraud, and a fraud that was concocted by officials of, of a presidential campaign in an attempt to defeat uh, Donald Trump in 2020. I, I, excuse me, in 2016, and 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 they were knowing, you know, they were they were they were accomplices in that in that smear, and and, that, and for them to show no remorse is really, I think, troubling. You know that you know what happened in that debate, and that you know Trump was like, here we go, you know, your son is involved in these dealings, your name's in there, and he says, hey, excuse me, 51 intel experts say this is classic Russian disinformation. And Trump was just flabbergasted. He's like, what? You're buying that? You know it's your son's laptop. And that really that really threw Trump, who we found out tested positive for COVID right after that, by the way. I'm sure that affected his performance. But that had so much to do with an election that was so very close. So it really did. Yeah. And Mike Morrell said under oath, I did it to help Joe Biden, to give him a talking point in the in the of. Uh, well, in the debate, we, we now know we, we now know that the whole idea for that came from the Biden. Actually, it came from yeah, it came from the Clinton campaign. We we know that we know for a fact certain that this was dreamed up by the Clinton campaign hierarchy and then fed to certain members of the, of that group that were were friendly to to Hillary and and they went out and got a bunch of their their colleagues to join in join in the the denunciation and and yeah, exactly right. You know. We know that, that that this was a problem, a problem, and and uh, you know the, uh, the, the, the the again the officials who signed that none of them show very few of them show any any remorse whatsoever about participating in a fraud. I know I, I see a guy named Leon Panetta was a Republican for a while. You would think could say wait no, no, a minute, he was a Republican for seventy sixty years ago. He he, he okay. was a Republican until the nineteen seventies, and then I, I just had a, a, a degree of respect for it. Carl. If so, in, for example, if if I gave you a document similarly, even though it impacted an election, I said I need Carl Rove's signature on it. Even though we're friends, you would never, because you work so hard for your reputation, you would never sign off on it unless you could verify it. At the very yeah, least, you exactly. would pick up the phone and say, hey, Joe, I'm about to sign off on this. Is this your son's laptop? Because this is my reputation. And, yeah. and, and just see well, what he says, because he looked into that camera and he lied. And when you can look into a camera and lie, knowing it's his son's laptop and that was his legitimate communications, what else are you lying about? Yeah. Well, and again, let, let me let's be fair. He he. That's one. That's one explanation that he was lying about it. The other was that he was being lied to, that his son said to him, "Dad, that ain't my laptop," and he's like, "Son, I believe you." But either way, we were misled, and we now know that it, that, that 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 laptop with all that it represents. I mean, what think about the mind of the of Hunter Biden. I'm going to, I'm going to store my pornographic videos of me converting with prostitutes. And I'm going to, I'm going to be, I, I want a little videos of me waving around my illegally obtained weapon and brandishing it like I'm a hot dog somehow. You know, I mean, it's like, what kind of sick mind is involved in that? And, and then all of his communications, which clearly are grasping at how can I get money from foreign countries and foreign companies based on the fact that, that that not my expertise in whatever the subject matter is, but the fact that I'm the son of the sitting vice president of the United States. 
I mean, it's like you read those emails and you feel you want to go get a shower. I mean, it's like sleazy. But, but Carl, you know right away, you look in that laptop and you see your legitimate emails to your son and the voicemails from your son, and you know it's your son. On the top of it said, uh, Bo Biden Foundation, and you recognize that from your son's house. We all know that he knew it. I mean, you're giving him the major benefit of the doubt. He knew that communication was legitimate. So they, everybody, the Washington Post, New York Times, they all lie. And I just wish, at the very least, be aware, never be gullible again and check out everything yeah. uh, when it comes to your yeah. vote. So when we look at this field right now, there has not been one poll that doesn't show Trump with a double-digit lead and Ron DeSantis firmly in second. Call Rove assessing it here at the end of June. How do you see this GOP race? Yeah. Well, remember, national polls are interesting. But like at this point in the 2008 Democratic contest, Hillary Clinton was two and a half to one over Barack Obama. And, you know, to to think about it, 30 days before uh, Republicans went to vote in 2012 uh, in Iowa and New Hampshire, Newt Gingrich was ahead of Mitt Romney. So what matters, the national polls are interesting because they do show that Donald Trump is leading by a significant number. But remember, he's the former president, and he's sitting there between, you know, high 40s and and mid-50s. So there's a bunch of people out there who, even though they like what he did, there's doubts about him. And the more that people get to know these other candidates, my suspicion is, is that we're likely to see that number come down. But it's national polls, and 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 in terms of national attitudes, there's a lot of fluidity, and it's early. The key is, when are we going to start seeing polls in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada and South Carolina, the first four contests, particularly Iowa and New Hampshire. And even then, we got to be careful because those things sort of gel late and, the, and, and weird things can happen. I can, I can speak from authority on that. In two, 1999 and 2000, we were looking pretty good towards the end of 1999 in New Hampshire and then got walloped about six weeks later by, uh, by John McCain by about 19 points. So there's a lot of fluidity left in the race. We've got to be careful about putting too much into polls. It's interesting to look inside the polls for a trend line, but it's also more interesting to look inside those polls for emerging attitudes about current events. And this is where it's problematic for the president. Now, admittedly, it's only one poll, but a CNN SSRS poll said that basically uh, 23% of Republicans now say they cannot vote for Donald Trump uh, ever. Uh, and, 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 and among independents by a two to one, 67, 33, they believe that it was justified for him to be indicted, even though the, uh, over the, uh, mis, uh, mishandling of classified documents, e- even though they do believe that there was some political, uh, some political element to yeah, it. 70% said politics. Margin, they, they, yeah. They, by a two to one margin, they also believe that he's put national security at risk by his actions. So w- will these things have an impact? I don't know. But yeah. it's going to be interesting to watch it because we got plenty mm-hmm. of time and plenty of activity. Gotcha. Uh, thanks so much. The great call, Rove. Your call's next. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I got on the horn again with some other people tracked down some intel that was probably of a military origin, although it could have been researched, because there are hydrophones all over the Atlantic, and got confirmation that there was some kind of loud noise consistent with an implosion event.
So we were able to get a listening device in the ocean right around the Titanic, pick up an implosion, but still played it out with an investigation. Uh, among the people who are upset, Will Hurd's like, we should have done a better job. Imagine if that was a Russian submarine. We'd be able to pick up any movement there. Uh, it is kind of weird. I do need some um, some closure there on why that wasn't relayed and how we didn't get uh, something, uh, some type of probe on the ground right by the Titanic, where we evidently found a lot of the debris. Hey, this is you guys are all writing me for all different things we've been discussing. Uh, on Joe Biden, he lies every time he speaks. They're the most corrupt family in the USA. Uh, that is uh, uh, from a, uh, a emailer over in Minnesota. Angela writes this, so disappointed you gave Will Hurd all your radio time. We all know he isn't going to win the nomination. I I don't know that, Angela. And I'll tell you, it is so early. Remember, Donald Trump was at 1%. And then he went rocketing up. He would never trail within about a month. He's got a great resume. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, Dr. Drew Pinsky joins us now, board-certified internist, addiction medicine specialist, uh, host of Ask Dr. Drew, uh, the Adam and uh, Drew show, Adam Carolla, of course, Dr. Drew After Dark. He's got a show on Rumble. He's kind enough to give us a few minutes. Dr. Drew, welcome back. Brian, good to hear your voice. Hey, uh, same here. I saw the cover of the New York Post, and I thought, this is so up your alley, uh, sadly, and the cover is really disturbing, I think, even to uh, people that aren't parents. Since the explosion of social media, 44% of teens, when asked this question, uh, is my life useful, have answered no. They also use the term 48% of the time, I do not enjoy my life. And 49, uh, 49.5%, I can't do anything right. This is the almost the majority of teens in our country, and they tie it back to the explosion of social media in 2012. Does Dr. Drew do that? Yeah, in fact, there's much more sort of serious data out there medically in terms of depression, anxiety, rumination around suicide. The thoughts of suicide, particularly in young females, are at all-time highs, and it can be correlated back directly to use of social media. Now, why this is happening, you know, you were breaking up a little, Dr. Drew. I don't know if you're in that area or... Uh, the problem is in California where you're at, not anything works anymore, thanks to Gavin Newsom. Maybe the uh, Internet's down or, the, you know, we dropped off. We'll get him back. So listen to this. I did not. This is uh, so they talked about this generation. The, uh, they say that on average, the average teen spends five hours, but as many as nine hours on their phone a day. So you are totally subjected to that world. How many times do you see kids sitting together, not talking to each other on their phones uh, and not talking to each other on their phones, which, by the way, the ultimate insult. Can you imagine seeing that? And you just you probably live this life, too. The person chose to sit next to you, but not to talk to you. Uh, they rather get on the phone. Now, it's different if you're in an emergency situation. But they also say depression isn't just about emotion. It's about cognition. It's about thinking. It's about how you see the world. It's about how you see life and you see it as negative. Therefore, opportunities will be less uh, because you're shutting down half the world because you expect nothing from it. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death among young Americans. And while uh, these phone usage said parents should uh, should stave off smartphones and social media for as long as possible, uh, they believe that radical solutions are needed, like raising the minimum social media age to 16. 
Is that indeed possible? So Dr. Drew is back with me. Dr. Drew, is it possible, do you think, knowing the the trends of where we're at right now, to have kids wait till 16 to get on social media? It, I, it is a little bit unrealistic to have zero contact. I, I was saying I, when I got cut out that, you know, we should be looking at screens the way we think about tobacco or vaping or any of these other things we've had campaigns against. I mean, this is a far more serious medical issue than something like vaping, which we've had sort of categorical hysteria around. This is something that is affecting, profoundly affecting mental health. It's increasing suicide. It's increasing body image problems, anxiety, depression at all-time highs. And I have, I have psychologist colleagues. I, I'm, I'm a physician, but I have plenty of colleagues that are psychologists. And I have those that specify, that, that specialize in the complications of the screens, particularly in adolescent females and in their own families and their own kids they typically limit the use to one or two hours a day, and that with tons of electronic monitoring. And it can be done. The problem is it's, it's extremely difficult to do when there's not unanimity amongst the community. In other words, all the parents have to sign up for this. And it has been my experience when I was raising my own kids, as soon as you say, hey, guys, we need to form some sort of contract where we all agree that we are going to, to limit it to two hours a day, it's almost impossible. It was, it was unbelievable to me that I couldn't find a consensus among parents to do things like that. I was, for instance, trying to advocate for no alcohol. No, we're, I, I, we all agree we're not going to serve alcohol in the home. We're not going to allow alcohol in a, in a party, and uh, that's just what we're going to agree to. Nope, they wouldn't agree to that even. Uh, so they're going to continue. To, they're willing to break the law even to not have to uh, sort of form a consensus with their parent peers. It has to be a community-level thing. If we don't, uh, do you want our nanny state to step in yet again to do the parenting for us? It's too much. Uh, but you can do it, but if you don't do it as a, as a community, of course, the kids are then going to use their peers' phones, their friends' phones. They're going to be exposed to things all over the place, and it's going to have little effect to limit your own kids to two hours a day. Do you remember uh, drunk driving uh, when we were growing up? People would, you know, we would be almost in movies. People dr- having a few drinks, driving. Remember Arthur, where yeah. you have Arthur yeah. drive on a curb, put his drink on the on the hood, and go inside. Yeah. We didn't think it was that big a deal, but now that would be unfathomable. You can't even get that first Arthur out there on television because this whole generation grew up and it's, it's not cool to drink and drive. And they just, and for the most part, they don't. It's a really an outlier that does. When I put on Social Dilemma uh, with my family, my two daughters were ticked off because they see how they were being manipulated by these social media companies to basically get down that rabbit hole and continue to log on and take part. And they changed to a degree their behavior. Plus, they got older. I think that if you educate people – Listen, maybe you've come up with a little strategy Strategy there is to, you know, spend some education time showing kids exactly what it's doing to them. You know, kids are, it's interesting, kids, kids are not dumb. They're quite smart. And if you, if you give them a relatable source, like a, someone who looks, you know, who's, who's their age relatively, give them some humor, maybe a little music as you sort of offer them these, these, this information and show them stories about their peers and what has happened to them as a result of the use of whether it's drugs or, you know, we did it with Teen Mom or we used to do it with Loveline, which was just let, let the peers tell the story. 
and let them hear it. They, they will adjust their behavior when they understand right. it's happening to their peers. It's, it's a very powerful right. thing. And then in your case, you said you've shown them that they're being manipulated. That's brilliant. Let's show them that too. So the, the other thing, we're talking to Dr. Drew about this. But, for example, kids don't want to be depressed. They don't want to have bad self-image. They don't want to be right? depressed and suicidal? So, Are you but, kidding? But you of sit course. there in therapy, Dr. Drew. When you, when you you sit, you, do, you go in therapy, those doors close, and you listen to more than I ever will in my lifetime. Is it possible to explain to someone going through these emotions that, guys, that thing is part of it? And this is part of what you do. This is unrealistic. The world in which you're being sucked into through no fault of your own. Can you rationalize individuals to change that type of behavior when they close the door and leave your office and that hour's up? Well, behavior change is hard, right? Uh, And obviously something I've dealt with for 20 years was helping people who have disturbances in their desire system with addictions. And to some extent, this is an addictive process too, right? It's not. It's a little bit of an overuse of the term to call it addiction per se. But the but the but the social media companies have learned to manipulate the same part of the brain. The same stuff is being utilized to, to get somebody's behavior to repeat, repeat, do it again, do it again. That's what addiction is. It's it's a it's a commandeering of the so-called what I call the do it again part of the brain. And giving people education about it does not stop the behavior. It just doesn't. You have to provide a lot of other things. Uh, And I would sort of throw those uh, things into the category of sort of nourishment. First of all, I have to say you can't do this. You know, there has to be some barrier that helps that person in some way, uh, whether it's a law or a rule at home. It's hard. Parenting is hard. It's very difficult to get them off of this, particularly once they're used to it. But literally their lives depended upon it. And then you have to offer them other things. And this is the really important part. And it's, at its core, those other things involved action, movement, and interpersonal relating, yep. doing things with other people. Don't other just deny. brains heal other brains. But nourishment comes from other people. And if you add into that, uh, this may sound a little bit old-fashioned, but if you add in some sort of spiritual component, you add in service, my goodness, you're there. You're there. And it becomes, you're not really stopping the behavior of the phone use then. You're doing something else that's more nourishing that becomes sustaining in and of itself. So Dr. Drew, our guest, Dr. Drew, uh, the other thing that I found interesting buried in this story is four in 10 American teens find find our founding fathers to be villains. (laughs) Well, congratulations. Mission accomplished, uh, teachers. Uh, That is... uh, uh, look, I, I, I don't actually even care if they want to contemplate that they were villains because they were of their time, but at least acknowledge the genius of what they were able to create. At least understand what that was. Don't dismiss that as useless or worthless because you don't like uh, how they led their lives. But do you think it's uh, also a worry when TikTok becomes the number one app for 153 million users? Is created by China, and this week we find out our data being sent back to China. Confirmed that we all knew it, but now confirmed. Why would China continue to pro promote and do anything positive about America? Oh, of course. Uh, the, 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 but the the fact, though, is the delivery of data is the smallest concern. Our data is, you know, we've lost that battle. But the concern you should have 
is that this is a fight for the minds and well-being of our of our next generation. That is what you're giving China control over. That's what concerns me. And whatever is happening, it is not turning out well. And is is that some sort of conscious policy being delivered to us? Well, if there was one, this is sure what it would look like. So, again, I'm very concerned not so much about the data uh, and the location and all the stuff that everybody's doing all the time, including our own government, but the fact that they have control over Mm -hmm. what is delivered to our kids. That's what should concern you. Yeah. How do you feel about phones being kept out of schools? You know, you put them into the bin. There's individual phone cases. They actually make slide drawers for that. Good. I mean, do you see that happening? Do I see it? I, I haven't heard of that happening much, but I hope it is. I hope so. My God, that that's be the place to start at least. Dr. Drew, another thing that's unrelated before I let you go, RFK is is going around talking about he's tackling homeless. You've been tackling homeless best you can. It's a psychological problem. It's not because people can't afford rent, as Gavin Newsom told Sean Hannity. Um, which is nuts. How about the fact that he's now talking about uh, vaccines and that we should be thinking twice before we give our kids vaccines? And he certainly was not for the uh, for Operation Warp Speed and the and the covid vaccine. I'm an RFK fan. I I think he is stirring the pot in very useful ways. I I feel when he is explicit in his anti-vaccine stance, he is not doing us a favor. However, when he stays focused on this one element that he has uncovered as the area that we should be focusing our concern about corruption in our government, Vivek Ramaswamy is saying the same thing, which is that this cozy relationship that he has uncovered between the FDA and the regulators and the drug company. Uh, I had to chuckle when I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene ask Michelle, Rochelle Walensky, what drug company she's going to go work for when she leaves the CDC. But that's, in fact, what happens. And that relationship exists throughout our government, whether it's the military or the environment. These, this, this, this capture by moneyed interest is the corruption of our day. And so when I hear RFK talk about that point, that pressure point, I feel like I'm listening to Teddy Roosevelt talking about monopolies and trusts. And I think if if he may not be the man to do the job, but he's doing us a great service by pointing that out. He is generally said, as it pertains to vaccines, not so much that he is is you know feels vaccines are a problem. He feels that they've been inadequately tested, and he'd like to see the proper testing done. And he feels the inadequate testing came from uh, a a policy in the Reagan administration where they were given um, sort of this this immunity, and that it caused them to do less than adequate testing, and he'd like to see better testing. I can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. I can't argue with that. More testing, better data. Certainly that's one thing we've learned during the pandemic, that data is capricious. It's difficult. It can be altered. People can can bias it, and we need to be very careful with medical data and show it all, show all of our work all the time, and do not allow money to get in the way of people's well-being. Hey, Dr. Drew, when do we get to see your show? I always get notifications you're on Rumble. Well, I mean, you have so many shows out there. How do we get to see you? It, it's generally Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. And I've been interviewing. I've interviewed RFK a couple times. I've got Vivek coming on next week. Um, it's just been a great experience. I, I sort of naturally gravitate to things that I think are important. And when I see people getting canceled 
really extraordinarily high-quality professionals being canceled for their opinion, I immediately want to talk to them. I just want to hear what they have to say because I figure there's something mm-hmm. there that's that's got to be useful. And every single person I've talked to, whether it's Jay uh, Bhattacharya or Peter McCullough or uh, Paul Alexander, I don't agree with everything everybody says, but I, I just – I always learn something very useful that I have not heard before. I know. Dr. Drew, too. I remember you are the number one person on show on Headline News on CNN, and they're trying to cancel you. That was you, you were one of the first people I said to myself, what are they doing? Yeah. Right? Was, so, And you know how yeah. how crazy that experience is. Oh, my God. It's 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 awful. It's just awful. And it it, it affected my whole family. It's it's really they, – they, it's the it's the modern guillotine. I, I made a prediction when I wrote a book on my narcissism on narcissism that there would be scapegoating. That I actually wanted to write a chapter on the pre revolutionary France phenomenon, which was the only period in history I could find so much childhood trauma and narcissism and I thought, well, what followed that was guillotine, so I guess I don't know how that's gonna happen. It's gonna be I did not know about cancellation and social media. That became the modern guillotine. But scapegoating is sure, is sure well underway right now. Right. I will never cancel you on my list. You'll always be welcome uh, on this show. Can I I maintain my friendship with Greg Gutfeld and you still say that? Uh, You had to make a choice. Uh, I'm sorry. That's where the rubber hit the road. Sorry. Sophie's choice. Dr. Drew, thanks so much. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. There's 16 adults in the family group text, okay? Easiest way to describe it is my sister goes to women's marches, my dad stormed the Capitol, okay? So then I didn't choose a side. I'm just saying everybody's in there. Everybody. And, and, and everybody's like, they don't want to like offend anybody else. I, I do, I'm a comedian. I don't work during the day. I chum the waters. I got nothing to do, you know? I'm bored. My sister's like, we're pregnant. Guess the gender. I'm like, you should let them decide. <laughs> Uh, there you go. So that was John Christ. Yeah, just a little excerpt of one of his comedy specials. I you know, watched, since we don't have late night comedy to bump in with because of several reasons. And it's not, yeah, it's not funny. Uh, so John Christ, did, did you see that Home Depot video? It's fantastic. Go check it out on his in Instagram. Portland. Yeah. Yes, he pretends to be a Home Depot employee in Portland. And, um, you know, these are great, you know, wood planks to board up your small business. But here's a good sledgehammer that'll break through it. It's more visual than audio right uh i know but he'll do these little tapes during the day and he, he says to me basically he barely has to advertise he just puts up where he's going to be and he is part of a a sub-success culture it's, it's a, yeah i don't need to go on a late night show and say visit me at the laugh factory in los angeles because i just put it on my site he's got so many followers no it's true i will say that happens with him and also zarna garg who we've had on i think she just sold out like six shows in atlanta that you see, like, I mean, on their social media followings, people really like them when they come to their town. Right. People buy yeah, the, the days to go to the Tonight Show in order to be a hit are over. Number one, there's no Tonight Show. Is there, I mean, is there any? No, there not any? with the writer's strike. Yeah, the writer's strike, they don't even have, they don't even try. Remember Leno used to just do it? I think and he used to write his own stuff. And he got a lot of blowback for that. Right. Uh, but, you know, it helped America. You're there to entertain, not be a big union guy. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
Yeah, I'm a little worried that this song is such a great way to start a show. I'm worried that it's just going to appear on Fox News Sunday. All of a sudden, they're like, here's Shannon Bream, and they're going to hear this song, and they're going to think that Shannon came up with the way to start her show. And I'll have not a leg to stand on for people who don't listen to me on the radio. Joining me now is Shannon Bream for more on this story. On this story? Yeah. Well, I mean, I... Do you see yourself stealing this song? I I was not fully briefed on this story. But I will say, um, I try to steal your material all the time. That's why I watch your Saturday night show before Fox Sunday, so I can steal all the best of what you're offering out there. Really? So if if I ever find you reading my emails about my show, I'll know you stole it, that idea from me. Well, that and I have actually hacked into your account. Well, I'll so take... I read your emails all the time, just not publicly. All right. So in other words, um, instead of waiting for my laptop to be stolen and then exposed, all we have to do is go to Shannon's house, break in, and then it'll all be there. There's a lot of crimes being committed in Non-stop. that one sentence. This hour going to be joined by Brett Tolman and uh, Rich Salgado. has got this uh, huge, huge sports thing going on over the Higa Castle. Uh, which uh, you don't you no longer live on a compound or a castle, do you? Or not currently, but you know I'm planning ahead, looking to retirement. So when you look at what's happening with the Hunter situation, you hear about. I thought, okay, we're going to be talking about this deal and we'll compare that deal to the deal that somebody else without his dad's being president would get. I was not expecting this type of detail to come out with uh, the chairman of the House Weeds, uh, House and Ways and Means Committee. Jason Smith to come out and talk about a whistleblower that went to great detail about really what took five years to investigate with Hunter and what was left out. Cut for it. What was brought to our attention by the IRS whistleblowers is that, in fact, there was a documented a message on Hunter, Hunter Biden's WhatsApp account that went to a, a Chinese business partner. And it was pretty much demanding for that business partner to contact him in regards to a future payment. And he highlighted that he is sitting right next to his father waiting for his response. And that absolutely contradicts what President Biden has said on numerous occasions, that he knows nothing about his son Hunter Biden's business dealings. So this is the quote, Hunter, to this guy Zhao, the director of the Harvest Funds Management in China. Tell the director I would like to resolve this. Uh, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. And he goes on. And it sounded like almost a shakedown of this Chinese executive with this Chinese energy fund. Your thoughts about what the whistleblower does to this story. I did see the Washington Post actually covered some of this story today, Shannon. And listen, both sides of the aisle have been fans of whistleblowers, and sometimes it's when it helps them make their particular case or defend their particular position. But, you know, this guy has said he's put his face and his name out there publicly. He has, you know, owned this and said, I was in a supervisory agent for all these years, more than a decade, and I did not see things happen like happened in this case. I think it was done to the benefit of the subject of the investigation. And so the story he's telling and what we're hearing in official statements from the DOJ don't lie up. I mean, the truth has got to be in there somewhere. But when you have a whistleblower saying this guy tried multiple times to bring charges to the U.S. attorney and was waved off and not allowed to do it, 
the U.S. attorney saying I'm completely autonomous and can do whatever I want to do. But when he brings up these these alleged texts um, with that kind of language, it raises a lot of questions. So if they thought the plea deal was going to settle this Hunter thing, um, House Republicans are saying not so fast. Gary Shapley writes, who is the supervisor of the investigation at the IRS, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he said at every stage of the probe, decisions were made that had effect of benefiting the subject, meaning Hunter. He cited examples involving apparent references to Hunter Biden's father, who happens to be the president. Shapley pointed to text messages, got it, and a former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, which Fox News Digital first reported back in 2020. Mm -hmm. He went on to say Weiss, who was the attorney investigating this, was in and out for the the rest of a meeting, but it went downhill from there. They talked about the meeting uh, he goes, we shared with prosecutors our outline to to interview Rob Walker, but he decided not to. He says, among other things, we wanted to question Walker about an email that said uh, 10 held by H for the big guy. We had obvious questions like who is H? Obviously, it's Hunter. And who is the big guy? And why is this percentage was to be held separately with the associations hidden? Why would anyone care about this? You are the IRS. If you if there's 17 million dollars out there and you've gotten none of it, I think and you had this investigation kick off because you were investigating a porn site. And that's what led you to Hunter that led to a bigger story. And then the laptop accelerated everything. They had no interest. Weiss had no interest in following that up. Also, we found out maybe you can help me with mechanics of this. So uh, so District Attorney Weiss was saying, I want to try this case. I want to bring it to the D.C. court. He was told no. Then he wanted to bring it to Los Angeles six months later, and they were told no. I thought Weiss could do whatever he wanted with the case, and the AG was staying out of it. Who's telling him no? Well, that's the question, because the the account we're getting from the DOJ and from Weiss's office is he has complete autonomy. He can decide when and where to bring charges. And that's what Attorney General Merrick Garland has been saying, too. Now, remember, we heard a few months ago or maybe a few weeks ago that these whistleblowers were coming forward to specifically say that somebody who had testified under oath about this was not telling the full truth. So is that the connection there? Is it that the attorney general has said that Weiss has you know full autonomy, he can do whatever he wants? Um, and Weiss was trying in multiple instances, according to this whistleblower, allegedly trying to bring these charges and being blocked from doing so. So there are so many questions. It, it, it will be interesting to me to see if the Democrats have any curiosity about who's telling the truth. Yeah, very interesting. They said um, the Hunter Biden tax investigation, codenamed Sportsman, was opened in 2018 as an offshoot of an IRS investigation into a foreign-based amateur online pornography platform. Mm-hmm. So these weren't professional pornographers. These were amateur pornographers. Not to be uh, confused. Right. You don't want to ruin your eligibility for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. A whistleblower uh, told the House and Ways Committee that the committee on Thursday released testimony from the IRS whistleblowers who said officials at the Justice Department, FBI, and IRS interfered in the investigation. The whistleblower said that in the case seemed to be influenced by politics. And then Shapley goes off with very specific testimony. So I don't know how you read this, and you can't avoid it. It's not just Fox running this. You know, the Washington Post talked about this, and doesn't seem like Shapley feels too protected right now, even though he just had an attorney on with, with Bill Hemmer, and there's another mm-hmm. whistleblower whose identity we don't know. On the surface, Shannon, you just have to wonder how a five-year investigation could yield so little results. 
Well, and supporters of, of President Biden and Hunter Biden will say because there wasn't anything there. I mean, they felt pressure to go dig around as much as possible. But what we ended up with this is plea deal and these charges that are coming together proved that there was never a ton of stuff there for them to find. That's going to be their take on it. Whereas the whistleblowers are saying, no, this stuff could have been brought a long time ago. There was no need to delay, but there were delays, according to them. Um, and you know, it just it sparks more questions than answers because did he get a slap on the wrist? Did he get a sweetheart deal? What was it? You've got other attorneys out there arguing like, oh, you know, most people who are first time offenders that have these kinds of unpaid taxes, that kind of thing, they don't get charged. There's a deal, they work it out. Um, so you, that's why I've got a legal expert, uh, a panel of legal experts on Fox News Sunday this weekend, including Professor Jonathan Turley, Tom Dupree, and Elizabeth Wydra to come talk about how this what's the context give us some context for these charges that hunter is facing are they proportional are they not and when weiss the u.s attorney says that there's still something ongoing or continuing what does that mean is there still more of an investigation going on into hunter biden on other fronts we don't know well how about this in 2019 the fbi concluded that the laptop was real and was really hunter as they found out his apple password and did their right they did their due diligence shannon 2019? Really? Now, we find out about it. Uh, Johnny Mac Isaac gives the, uh, gives the hard drive to Rudy Giuliani in the New York Post. Who knew about it in 2019? How could they keep this quiet from even the president of the United States, who was Donald Trump at the time? How did they keep well, that from Donald Trump and his Department of Justice, his William Barr? Right, because if the FBI knew this, as you said, that timeline is November, December 2019, if they knew this and they um, tagged it for the IRS and said, hey, there may be tax crimes on this laptop, they'd already, as you said, verified it by the Apple iCloud um, you know, identifier at that point. So there were people in Washington deep within these agencies who, to their um, you know, assurance, this was Hunter Biden's laptop. They had firmly established that in their minds. So why wasn't that information anywhere to be found when 2020, leading up to the election, there were media companies shutting down any conversation about this. There were dozens of, you know, respected intel officials signing a letter saying this is classic Russian disinformation. There were people who knew that wasn't true. They knew this material was connected to Hunter way back in 2019. So why was this still being debated in 2020 or shut down as misinformation? Was William Barr, do you know, I mean, you've interviewed him so many times, so have I, but I don't think I've ever asked Bill Barr, when did you know about the laptop? Because mm -hmm. he was the attorney general at that time. You know, if they would say, listen, I got this laptop, we, you know, it wasn't clear that Joe Biden was going to be the nominee yet anyway. That probably would have changed who the nominee was, don't you think? It possibly could have, yeah. because listen, there were those questions and surveys after all of this information came to light, asking people if you knew that this was actually Hunter Biden's and this was legitimately linked to him, these emails, these photos, these questions, would it have changed your vote? And there is a significant chunk of the you know electorate out there that said, I think it might have changed my vote. Lastly, just last thing is from, uh, from Congressman uh, Smith, Cuffa. It's so important that the House Ways and Means Committee voted today to allow this information to be public. Because of statutory authorities under something they call 6103, we were the only ones able to have the information from the IRS whistleblowers. And in order for that information to be made public, we had to vote to make it public. That's why we did it, is so that the public can see this information, they can hear it, and the facts can continue to lead to further further progress.
So there you go. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure why they held it back. They waited. Maybe they thought Weiss was going to do the right thing, and they don't think this, what he did, is the right thing. Um, uh, lastly, what else do you have on, Shannon? We're going to have on uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. He says in his heart he believes he will be the nominee. Now, he's a distant third, about 6% in most of the polls out there. So what kind of coalition does he build? Because the people who love President Trump do not love most of them, Mike Pence. And the never-Trumpers feel like, hey, Pence was part of the Trump administration. He was around during the allegations about fraud and 2020 being stolen from them. Um, So he's got a very delicate needle to thread. And he's going doubling down on the issue of abortion. He doesn't think Republicans should avoid it, although strategists and people warn them, um, he says it's the right thing to do, and he sees a path forward. So him and Democratic Senator Ben Cardin will come talk to us about foreign policy. We've got some really interesting brand-new information we're going to reveal on Sunday from um, the Reagan Foundation, how Americans are feeling about us spending money and getting involved in foreign incursions. How do they think the Biden administration is doing? Um, Democrats have been criticizing this week over this relationship with the Indian prime minister. So talk about that. And former NFL player Benjamin Watson's with us too. Fantastic. It sounds like a, uh, a great show, one I'll pay attention to and need to fully understand by the time I come back here Monday. Boom. But first, it's Saturday night. Eight o'clock. I'll see you there. Right. Do not call Shannon from eight to nine. Right. <laughs> Do not yeah, call her. DVRing clearly. So. Right. She's going to be watching. Just in case. Right. And watch the commercials, too. Uh, no. Shannon, watch Fox News Sunday on Sunday. Thanks, Shannon. When we come back, I'll take your calls. I know I keep promising to do it, but this time I'll definitely do it. one 408 This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Rich Elgato coming up in a uh, half hour. Brett Tolman, federal prosecutor, uh, in about 15 minutes. But now I'm realizing I need to know more. More to know. Invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. The older it gets, the better it gets. And the more valuable it gets. Go to caskdeeds.com. That's caskdeeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. Man, that seems like a good investment, but this doesn't. Burlington, Vermont, the first story. Third city in the United States, in the state to allow non-citizens to vote. How is that constitutional? Someone's got to sue. Yep, they'll allow non-citizens or illegal residents to vote in local elections after the Democrat-controlled legislature on Tuesday overrode the Republican governor's veto. To me, isn't this unconstitutional? No, it's, it's not a federal election. It's their local election. But local elections allowed to have other people they, from other countries? If they, mm. if they allow it, like locally, they, right? San Francisco did that as well. They could do it in the school board elections, things like that. So I wonder why. The three Vermont cities are among those uh, in the communities. you got New York City, a number of towns in Maryland. Uh, eight states have, allow, have laws that only allow U.S. citizens to vote in elections. That should be everybody's law. Uh, how about this story? A San Francisco, uh, San Francisco has arrested 45 people in the past two weeks as it's cracking down on drug addicts and shootings up in the streets. It's a little too late, too late. As I've talked to people and asked them why they choose to be there, I've gotten answers like drugs are cheap and readily available, and you get an environment where it's permitted. That, according to uh, their uh, mayor, Mayor London Breed. So she's changing policies because of that. No joke. New Bud Light ad ridiculed up and down social media says they're trying too hard. Anheuser-Busch unveiled a Bud Light ad following the massive backlash from, we all know, 
Bud Light's new ad comes nearly three months after the beer company made Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney, one of his spokespeople. Bud Light appears to try to avoid controversy with the latest ad. Uh, the commercial shows Americans looking to quench their thirst during the summer heat. That's good. Always good to quench thirst. We should not bring up the fact that beer doesn't really quench thirst. I mean, Is this the wrong time to bring it up? It could quench your thirst in the near term, but like in the long term, you're going to be more dehydrated. Next, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg absolutely dead serious about fighting in an octagon. Problem is, for Elon Musk, he says he doesn't work out and doesn't know how to fight. Mark Zuckerberg is so bored, he does it all the time now, and he's been in tournaments and everything. UFC President Dana White told TMZ he spoke to both multi-billionaires and said both guys absolutely dead serious about this. You want Zuckerberg to beat up Musk? I wouldn't want that. Edison didn't fight Henry Ford well, or Einstein. Well, do you think it actually beat each other up? I think it would be a great way to make money. It also, they didn't say a timetable, right? They can, you know, could Musk train in like six months or does he need more time? Does he have enough to do? I, He's I making don't know. tunnels. He's making Tesla. I'm sure he could do add a few more things to him. Twitter. While he's like, you know, working on Tesla, he could be training at the same time, multitasking at its finest. All right, we'll find out. Unless he trains, I say he shouldn't do it because he's bigger, weighs more. It can only be embarrassing. One thing Zuckerberg's trying to do is ruin Twitter. He has his own Twitter thing is rolling out, and he's stealing all their ads. So we'll see. Men's Health Magazine is mocked for pushing the term genosexual to describe people who are attracted to women. Really? The Fitness Magazine published an article well, about genosexual. refers to being sexually attracted to femininity, irrespective of one. So you could be a gen- female attracted to femininity. Yes. Or a male attracted to a feminine male. Well, you know what's so interesting? <laughs> they took the gynecologist and put it into sexual. Gynosexual. So that just makes everyone uncomfortable? So it's not <laughs> genosexual, right? Yeah, it makes So it's gynosexual. Do you think people are going to start using this? Yeah, no. gynosexual. I mean, maybe it's a joke somewhere, but right. I don't think for real. I say in a year from now, where you, we say it all the time. You're going to say, you're going to call yourself a gynosexual? I'm addicted to gynosexuality. <laughs> it's true. Dawn is very feminine. Right. <laughs> so far. Uh, listen, when we come back, Brett Tolman, inside this whistleblower story, I think it's bigger than life. Brian Kilmeade Show. It links right back to the president. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, the Justice Department simply has turned a blind eye to Hunter Biden. They were told to stand down. Uh, That's what our FBI whistleblower told us when we learned of the discovery of the 1023 form that alleged Joe Biden took a bribery from the most trusted, highest paid FBI informant. Uh, they were told to stand down when we brought in the general counsel for the National Archives, when they were trying to write a story on their website about Joe Biden mishandling classified documents. They were told by the Department of Justice to stand down. That is James Comer, of course. He's uh, chairman of Oversight, trying to get to the bottom of all these uh, Biden schemes, whether they existed or not. Brett Tolman with us. Brett, stunning news yesterday about this whistleblower who came forward and talked about what's happened over the last five years and didn't happen Uh, on this IRS investigation and gun investigation on Hunter Biden. What stands out with you the most, the biggest surprise? I I think, Brian, thanks for having me on. I think the biggest surprise for me was to see that um, you had assistant U.S. attorneys 
who were giving given credible um, evidence, who which was plenty for a search warrant, that they refused to present the evidence in in order to secure the search warrant. And then not only that, I think you go you, you go as far as obstruction of justice. If it's accurate that um, the U.S. Attorney's Office and DOJ tipped off uh, Hunter Biden and his legal team about the search that m might occur on his uh, on his storage unit, and and you start looking at action and behavior like that, and not only does it justify an Inspector General investigation of the entire uh, scope of the conspiracy, but it it. You know, in my opinion, it should be looked at seriously and screened for criminal charges. So you're talking about Leslie Wolf, who was told you're not going to get a search warrant for that storage unit or for the guest house that Hunter's staying in because there's evidence to be found in it. How crazy is that? Yeah, and she she makes the comment we're not going to look at we're we're also not going to look at Daddy. So. For for me, it, it's it's actually visible evidence of the evolution I've seen in the Department of Justice of getting rid of you know assistant U.S. attorneys, federal prosecutors that care more about following the facts and the law, and and replacing them with folks that have a bigger political vision. That's really dangerous, Brian, and and I'm 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 shocked to see it so blatant and and in the forefront uh, of of you know this investigation. So if you didn't file tax returns in 2014, 2018, and 2019, and had a failure to file in 2015, 2016, and 2017, what kind of trouble would Brett Tolman be in, even with your uh, background as a federal prosecutor? Well, it, it would be felony charges. Um, there's no question it would be screened for felony charges. The tax misdemeanors are for when you have less than $10,000 that you might owe, but you refuse to do so, and they've given you multiple opportunities to do it through civil settlements. So there's nothing about this that um, justifies a misdemeanor charge uh, in this instance. I mean, it's so blatant. And then when you look at what he may have been doing and in terms of when he actually did file his taxes, trying to write off, you know, expenditures for, for prostitutes and, and sex clubs, you start to get a, bit, a different picture. And there's not a prosecutor, um, in my experience, in 25 years, if you took the politics out of it, wouldn't be uh, screaming for prison time and, and felonies. So I want you to hear what Jason Smith uh, said yesterday as chairman of Ways and Means to Sean Hannity. Cut three. The whistleblowers, both of them, pointed out some very alarming um, activities of the Department of Justice. They pointed out how the Department of Justice had been delaying um, the tactics in the investigation, which ultimately led to the statute of limitations expiring in 2014, 2015. They also provided information showing that Department of Justice prosecutors, in fact, let Hunter Biden's attorneys know of search warrants being issued. For example, they had a search warrant where they were going to go after a storage unit he had northern in northern Virginia, and they had contacted Hunter Biden's attorneys beforehand. That is absolutely unreasonable <laughs> and something that typically doesn't happen. So this is an IRS supervisor investigator. So I, I don't understand. Uh, Brett, at the very least, if you're a politician and you're going to yell at people on gun laws and then tell people that the problem with our country is the rich don't pay taxes, you you lost both those arguments. Yeah, not, not only that, 
you're the president who just signed a, a bill into law that um, expanded the length of time you can give someone for being a user in possession of a firearm from 10 to 15 years. So while you're telling the, the country you're going to be tough on these types of crimes, you and your, your, your wagons that were circled in DOJ around your son um, showed the American public that you, you're above the law, you believe you're above the law, and you're willing to violate the law in order to save your son. Yeah, so I don't know what happens from here now. You have the, the you already have the plea deal. I'm sure he's going to sign off on it. So this is the whistleblower. We know this is out. Challenge him if you want, Mr. Weiss, David Weiss. Go challenge somebody. Challenge him. Go ahead. Uh, what happens now? I think I think the U.S. attorney and the assistant U.S. attorney ought to be referred to the Office of Professional Responsibility. The inspector general needs to be given full authority to conduct a, a, an investigation. A special counsel needs to be appointed, whether whether that can be done now or we have to wait for the new administration. A special counsel needs to be appointed to uncover the, the scope of the conspiracy. And then I hope obstruction of justice charges at a minimum are brought against all those, including those that were uh, working for the government, whether in the IRS, the FBI or DOJ. Now, I know folks are going to say absolute immunity. But I think this might be an exception if you are actively tipping off the target of an investigation. So I'd like to see those steps taken, Brian. Right. Could it be possible to straighten all this out in the big picture? I mean, I'm concerned about the country. Forget about politics. Forget about the election. We're still a year away. So, I mean, are you concerned about the Department of Justice, period? I mean, it's not perception. It's not spin. This is unbelievable what we're looking at. Yeah, this is not politics, and this, these are not pundits that are jumping up to try to score points and, and, and help their political side. This is the fundamental, basic, you know, uh, foundation of our law and order system that we've had for, for over 200 years. And I've never seen anything like this. Perhaps in the Lyndon B. Johnson days, we, we might have had this kind of collusion. But if anything, nothing on this level involving the millions of dollars, the scope of the conspiracy, the money laundering, the debauchery of, of all those involved. And then you have members of the very institution that are supposed to care about rooting out corruption, participating in it. It's a sad, grim day, but I'm hoping that it's the bottom and we can climb our way out of it. Do you think how much do you think Merrick Garland knows about this? Everything that this whistleblower knows, you think Garland knows? Everything. Everything. I had a case, Brian, in which um, we were screening a potential case uh, against a sitting congressman, and the the allegations, you know, were fraud. And the attorney general knew every single bit of that case. So uh, I, we should not be we should not be pretending that Merrick Garland is is not aware of what could be the, the largest, you know, corruption scandal in the history of this country. The other thing, and this is just your, your opinion from your experience. In 2019, according to this story, the whistleblower says the FBI knew the uh, it was Hunter Biden's laptop, it was real, and everything on it was authentic. Having said that, did Donald Trump know? And wouldn't, wouldn't everybody, wouldn't, wouldn't the administration know? Wouldn't William Barr know? Is it possible the FBI kept that fact to themselves? It is possible that they kept it to themselves. I was aware of surreptitious um, um, efforts by the FBI back in, in 2005, 2006, 2007, where they were 
they were beginning to be political. So that's possible. But um, if, if, if it's not the case and if Barr knew about it and if the administration knew the legitimacy of this, uh, it, it should have been immediately um, presented to the grand jury for subpoenas yeah. and, 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 and the scope of the investigation would have been exploded at that point. Because you remember they were doing the impeachment over Ukraine. And what the yeah. Bidens were up to in Ukraine and, you know, ham handedly Rudy Giuliani's traipsing around Ukraine going, anyone know anything about the Bidens? <laughs> but meanwhile, if he knew about this laptop, he didn't find out. I don't think Rudy found out about it until the fall. That's, of course, yeah, the New York Post right. and everything like that. So how could they keep it from the president? That blows me away. Well, you know, the, 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 there are liaisons between the Department of Justice and the White House, and they would, they would be the ones. If they kept it from him, then they, they insulated him at that moment and decided not to, not to present it to him. That's political, too. Um, yep. Maybe because we was going to Ukraine. That's fascinating. Uh, Brett Tolman, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. All uh, right, Brett Tolman, unwinding what's going on with the Department of Justice, because he was on the inside. Now he's abhorred what's happening from the outside. When we come back, Rich Elgato joins us, president of Coastal Advisories, one of the uh, big-time sports insiders, putting together a fantastic uh, celebrity golf tournament. You're talking about the who's who of, uh, of sports for kids. What a better combination. Don't move. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at briankilmeadshow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmead coming up. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, so Rich Delgado is kind enough to come in the studio right now, president of Coastal Advisors, one of the most impactful guys in sports today, almost across the board. You're not going to reach a, reach a guy ever that knows more things about more people and just is the ultimate connector. And with this, some of his power and his influence, he's put together uh, the Big Daddy Celebrity Golf Classic and Gala, uh, the all-star event at Ohika Castle in Huntington, New York. So WABC listeners, WLIR listeners, listen up. If you're watching on Fox Nation, anywhere in the vicinity. Uh, you know what? Start driving now if you're out of the, uh, out of the state. Uh, all the proceeds go to St. Jude's Research Hospital. The weather's supposed to be great. The golf course is fantastic. Rich, welcome. Thank you. So, so tell me, tell me about what, how you got this idea. You had a brain aneurysm. Yes. Right? Obviously, no one ever gets warning about that. So when was that? That was 2008, and that's uh, when I uh, connected with the hospital, and we were like, oh, let's do something to help the hospital out. And uh, we had a good three-year run there. Then the venue was being worked on and whatnot, and then COVID came, so we had to take a break. And then we brought it back little by little, and now we're back full go. So who's going to be playing golf, the celebrity golf, and, and who benefits? Well, Everyone who shows up benefits, but we've got some incredible guests. You know, Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck. Uh, if you want coaches, we got Steve Spagnoli. He's a three-time Super Bowl winner. You know, we got the Bronx. Just did own, it again, right? Yeah, the, the, Bron- the Bronx's own Doug Marone. He'll be coming up for the first time ever. He right? should have been the Jets coach, was a Buffalo Bills coach, was a Syracuse coach, coach. was a Jacksonville Doug. coach, and now he's back with New Orleans. Back in New Orleans, so we're going to have him. And then uh, we got a little country music there, uh, Jillian Carter Alley. She's coming back. She's a very good golfer. And uh, we've got actor Kevin Rom. We've got a mixture of sports and entertainment. 
Right. So it's going to be the Ohiko Castle on, on Huntington, Long Island. Now, the the St. Jude's, they get the money, right? Yeah, they get the money, yes. So, and and how does that, uh, that helps these kids? Because when parent, when families go and they need treatment, they don't pay anything. No. And the only way that they don't pay anything is if there are constant fundraisers. That's yeah. why you see the commercials on television. Yeah, I mean, that place, when I went the first time, Brian, uh, they are exactly right when they say it's a place of hope. Yeah. I mean, you feel it kids when you're there. Kids with cancer. It's unbelievable. And I became friends with one of the kids, and now he's graduating high school. He's healthy, cancer-free, and next year we're going to fly him and his family up to attend the gala. Well, that would be fantastic. And the gala is unbelievable, right? So the gala takes place at night. At night, and we've got uh, Mike Martucci, who sings uh, Frank Sinatra with a 16-piece orchestra. And you never know who might just jump on stage with him because uh, we got some interesting people that are attending. Well, I know uh, Gavin Haddon, the executive producer of uh, no, the vice president of mornings, got to play with the Giants GM last year. So yeah. that was it. That made his year. <laughs> yeah, I told him. And he's really bummed out. He can't come this year. So uh, we just had that conversation a few minutes ago. So let's talk about these two leagues. Every week I have uh, uh, Daryl Johnston on. Yep. Talk about the USFL, XFL. Do you have you gotten you're involved with you insure more players than probably anybody else in the country? Mm-hmm. So what do you think of these two leagues? You know what? They're opportunity. So I don't put down either league. I mean, I don't know all the inner workings on both leagues. I know the one league, the XFL, they obviously just uh, blasted out their not their earnings, but how much money they went through and lost. Like thirty million. Yeah, it's like thirty, forty million, and you know. You can have all the hedge fund money in the world, but those hedge fund guys, they're investors. So, you know, where's my money? Why am I losing it? So I don't know what happens there. I know Daryl's thing, they're getting a lot of great reviews. And, you know, you're going to get guys that are going to get signed, you know, from there. Yeah, I think that's great, too. I mean, you're a football player. Mm-hmm. You're an offensive lineman coming out of University of Maryland. So you didn't get drafted. You would have loved to have played. You would have been in one of these leagues. Oh. You established yourself at twenty three, twenty four. Then you get a shot at the NFL. In a lot a of heartbeat. times you don't feel, uh, you don't reach your peak athletically till twenty six. Yeah, but for football, twenty two and you're done. In a heartbeat, and you know, I always tell people all the time that you could find players everywhere if they're given the opportunity. Right, and you know? in that, and also coaches gives yeah. coaches the opportunity too. Absolutely. So we look at uh, what's happened with the NFL right now. They've had about six or seven suspensions, mysterious about sports gambling. To me, and this you don't have to join in here, but legalizing pot and legalizing gambling, I understand the reason the free market, but it's just leading to problems. To me, the most obvious one, sports gambling, Rich. These guys are competitors for a living. You think you understand the game? How tempted are you to better in yourself? Uh, because you know that the Steelers are playing the Raiders, and you know your quarterback's hurt. Maybe I'm going to bet against it because I want to make so, uh, against my team because I'm going to make a little extra money. Does this surprise you? Some of the suspensions have been handed down. What are you hearing? Um, They're told, I'm, don't I'm, bet on the sport. I, I, but you know what? It's like anything else, right? They tell people that are sick, don't do this, and they do it. You know, so it's like really. You know, guys are, like you said, everyone's competitive, especially in a locker room. You know, you got card games that, you know, when you're on the road, guys play cards and it's for money. You know, it, it happens in every sport. Anyone tells you different. But if you lying. lose the integrity of the game, you lose everything. If I don't think that's a real game, I'm, I don't want to watch professional wrestling. I don't want to. I, I want to make sure everyone's given their all. Yeah. Is this a worry you think in the league? I think it, it, it could cause problems, yeah, because I, I don't think that – 
you know, if you take the attitude, we're going to kill them, <laughs> you know, let's lay it down hard, then where do you go from there? You know what I mean? It's like it, football and or any sport, you're playing to win. Right. And you're not judging on who's hurt, who's not. Because, you know, the old saying, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. Aaron Rodgers, biggest story in New York sports in quite some time, even though he's pushing 40. What kind of impact will he make with this team? Walking, as soon as he walked into the building, he made an impact because he brings that, you know, success from the past. He came from the Packers. He's He's got a charisma too, right? Yeah, and he's got that, he's like, you know, he's got that James Bond kind of, or about him. When he walks, you know, you're like, wow, you're intrigued by him. It sounds like how you describe me when I'm not around. Yes, I tell people that Brian Kilmeade is... A lot like James a, Bond. A lot like James Bond, and even bigger. Right, thank you very much. Thanks for adding that last at the end. I know you don't believe a word of it. Uh, it's called the Big Daddy Celebrity Golf Classic. Where do we find out more? You go to www.bigdaddies, with an S, golfclassic.com. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.